0: Hi, it's Mark Rabin here. This is a bonus episode of the podcast. I'm happy to announce that the audiobook version of my book is now available. That book is The Mistakes That Make Us Cultivating a Culture of Learning and Innovation. So today I'm going to be bringing you the five-minute audio sample of the audiobook. Um, The audiobook is available now through Audible, Amazon, and Apple Books. And a special offer here um, is a thank you For listening not just to the podcast in general but to this here if you're one of the first three people to email me mark at leanblog.org and if you're in the u.s or the uk i'll send you a code for a free audible audiobook so again if you're one of the first three people to hear this and email me mark at leanblog.org i'd be happy to send that your way now here's that audiobook sample Oh, and to learn more about the book in general, uh, the print edition, Kindle edition, go to mistakesbook.com. We all make mistakes, even sharks. It can be hard to admit our mistakes. Sharks don't feel that burden. But what if the shark is Kevin Harrington, who appeared on the first season of the hit TV show Shark Tank? He was my first guest on the My Favorite Mistake podcast. Just as great white sharks need continual movement to breathe and live, entrepreneurs like Kevin need a continuous flow of cash to stay alive. A serial entrepreneur, Kevin is the inventor of the modern television-as-seen-on-TV infomercial, selling famous products like the George Foreman Grill and Jack LaLanne Juicers. He admits, 30 years ago, I made a big mistake. I've made plenty since then. Kevin's company almost went under because of his mistake, one he was willing to admit and discuss. Some might think the Kevin Harringtons of the business world are successful because they avoid making mistakes. They'd be wrong. Successful people and organizations are better at learning from mistakes, and they avoid repeating them. Thirty years ago, Kevin's business brought in $100 million a year in revenue from a dozen products. About $2 million in sales were deposited in the bank account each Monday, driven mainly by the weekend sales. One week started with a shock as he arrived to find his extremely distraught chief financial officer in Kevin's office. The CFO informed Kevin that the bank had held back that week's revenue. That $2 million represented my life, said Kevin. This situation jeopardized his ability to meet payroll and buy airtime for his infomercials. He feared this would quickly make them as formerly seen on TV. Why did the bank withhold the funds? One of Kevin's 12 infomercial products had an extremely high defect rate of 30%, which led to a flood of customer complaints and refunds. The bank held the $2 million to protect itself from the risk of potentially paying additional refunds. At the time, Kevin's company ran the credit card payments for all its products through a single credit card processing account. He didn't realize this was risky until it became a huge concern. The problematic product represented just 3% of his sales, yet it put the whole company at risk. He worked with the bank to release 80% of those funds, relieving the cash flow pressure in the short term. Once the crisis passed, Kevin wondered if this would happen again. Would the bank be as cooperative the next time? It's something we never wanted to go through again, he recalled. They could stop selling the product until they could eliminate quality problems at the factory or find a new supplier. But what would they do if they had a quality problem with another product in the future? Kevin took actions to address the systemic cash flow risk, explaining, We set up separate accounts for every product, separate businesses, separate profit and loss statements, and we ran our business completely in those little silos which isolated the risk created by a single defective product. If complaints spiked for one product, the remaining cash flow would continue through separate accounts. Kevin calls this his favorite mistake because he learned, adjusted, and prevented that mistake from happening again, describing this experience as an amazing learning curve. He survived and grew the business to more than $500 million in annual revenue before selling the company and moving on to the new world of online advertising and sales. Kevin also emphasizes the need to iterate when they tried launching new products, realizing not everything was going to be a hit. The company usually tried up to three times before declaring a product dead, aiming to fail cheap by putting as little money as possible into the failures. Small tests of change and the benefits of iterating your way to success are discussed in Chapter 7. When people like Kevin publicly admit mistakes, their story could help someone else avoid his mistake, but few of us will ever face that exact situation. However, his attitude about admitting and learning from mistakes can help us all. Creating a public persona of perfection might be tempting, but what can other people learn from that? To be perfect? to try harder to be perfect? Nah, that's not going to happen. It's not that simple. We're more likely to learn, improve, and grow when we admit our mistakes, even if just to ourselves. Some people might succeed despite never admitting a mistake, but it's unlikely they've avoided making them. I'm positive I make mistakes every day, but I work to turn those mistakes into something positive. So, again, to learn more about the mistakes that make us cultivating a culture of learning and innovation, go online, mistakesbook.com. The audiobook is available now, Audible, Amazon, and Apple Books. And again, if you're one of the first three people to email me, mark at leanblog.org, I'll send you a code to get a free, full version of the audiobook. Again, those codes only work in the US or the UK. Email me, let me know which of those uh, two countries that you're in. Um, Again, to learn more about all of the editions available now, Kindle and print editions, both paperback and hardcover, go to mistakesbook.com. Thanks.